0: Hello and welcome to The Preservationists, the monthly show for fans of local historic architecture, the history of unique buildings, and the people from our community working to preserve and restore them. I'm Astronomist Ray. Over the next two episodes, we will be talking with two current students and one alumni of the Clatsop Community College's Historic Preservation and Restoration Program. The Historic Preservation and Restoration Program is a unique program offered in our community. Graduates of the program are equipped with skills in various areas and aspects of preservation and restoration. Graduates of the program may find a variety of careers in preservation, such as the National Park Service, wooden window restoration, and laser mapping of historic sites, just to name a few potential careers. The program also offers hands-on training and weekend workshops to non-degree-seeking students. The workshops typically cover a variety of skills in woodworking, plaster repair, and much more. Our first guest is a graduate of the program. Here is Josh Gifford.
1: Howdy. I am Joshua Gifford. I was in the Historic Preservation Program at Clatsop Community College 2020 through 2022, and now I am in the National Park Service. My First introduction to the Historic Preservation Program was actually through the college fair where folks come up and check out different classes at the college. I had previously done a summer at Lewis and Clark National Historical Park and realized that that's the career path I wanted to take. And then I went to the college fair and there was a faux finishing workshop being led by John Goodenberger and Lucian Swerdloff. And I had a lot of fun doing it. And I asked them a few more questions while I was there. And they told me that they were actually unofficially partnered with the Park Service in a way where they work with the local national park a lot. And so I saw it as a good opportunity to study something that I just found an interest in and possibly pursue a future career in the Park Service. Right now, I am a permanent employee in the National Park Service. And actually, this year, I got accepted into the PAST program, which is the Preservation and Skills Training Program, which is the National Parks Preservation Program. And a large part of getting into that program was my degree in Historic Preservation that I got from Klatsa Community College.
0: Very nice. That's awesome. So thinking back to your time in the preservation program, When you originally started, you know, there's kind of a specific outline that the preservation program has. You know, they have specific classes that you take. What are some of those classes, and how do you feel that those set you up for the career in preservation?
1: Mm -hmm. The cool thing about uh, CCC's Historic Preservation Program is that it's a lot more hands-on than other programs might be. So for a four-year larger college program, you might be focusing a lot more on actual preservation law in theory. And Clatsop Community College, because we're in a historic town that is going through and has gone through a sort of historic revitalization, there's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of buildings that don't have people to work on them that the college will help with. And so you'll do weekend workshops where i've personally worked on the uh, masonic temple in brownsmead i've worked on a railway station Um, just a bunch of buildings and you learn how to do a bunch of different trades in preservation and all of those help build an interest and build a skill set that you can use once you get out of the program I was actually born and raised in Astoria, Columbia Memorial Hospital. I was born there and then shipped off like 10 miles east to Napa. Because of that, I never really appreciated the history in Astoria because it's just what I've always known. And one of the first real assignments that we got in historic preservation was picking, I think it was three buildings— finding the history, and then giving a statement of significance, which is when you're trying to put something on the historic register, you need to argue why it's historic. And even if it's obviously historic, like a lot of the buildings here where they're old and they have history, you need to argue what is significant about it to put it on the register. And so we were giving these statements of significance. And this was really hard for me because These are just buildings that I've always seen, and to me, they're not very significant because I've always seen them, but John Gutenberger really guided me through it, and it really opened my eyes in a sense that if you look hard enough, and especially someone looking from the outside, these buildings are very significant, and I chose buildings that don't necessarily pop to a lot of people, like residential buildings, small storefronts, but There's so much history about who built them and especially with the fires that happened and the families that were here. You could really find like the family that built it, whose uncle built that building and where the stones came from. So there's a lot of really interesting history just in the buildings themselves that I got my eyes open to by getting into the program
0: yeah that's a really interesting point because i'm also kind of in that similar boat of i was born and raised here and i definitely connected exactly with what you said and not appreciating those or not even taking you know a a time to look at that so that's really great and now in some of these projects you guys do workshops at the historic preservation program here Mm -hmm. at the college What do those workshops entail and what are they like? Um, How are those sought out? Is it set up by your instructors? Do you guys take any personal initiative to say, I wanna do this, is this something that I can work on? Mm -hmm. What is that process like?
1: So the workshops are on weekends and those are set up by instructors because I'm not quite sure on the specifics of it, but as far as I know, for the college to send students out to work on these buildings, they need to be nonprofits or community buildings in a sense. So, we can't choose a, someone's house to go work on, per se. But for my final project or my capstone project, that was up to me. I got to pick a project that I was passionate about and that I was interested in, ran it by my instructors, they gave me approval. And then I was able to choose. But as far as workshops go, it is sort of a thing that has been decided by instructors. And then you go and work on the building. But we do still get... Usually on the first day of the workshops, we'll get a walkthrough of the building. Usually the owner of the building or sort of a a liaison of the building will give a history of the building, its significance, why it's important to keep it up. So capstone projects and student-led projects, you decide what you do. But as far as the actual class workshops go, it is usually the instructor's choice on where you go.
0: And on that note, what did you do for your capstone project?
1: So my capstone project, I was very lucky to get a fairly unique project. I worked on a 1940s bow picker boat that is now being used in the regatta parade as a float. And the cabin was very rotted, and there was some damage mainly to the the, uh, cabin area and the roof of the cabin. So that was my project. And... The way I chose it, Lucian Swerdloff sort of had this project that he knew needed done. He ran it by me. I went out, checked out the, the boat, and decided it was something I wanted to do. And it was really my responsibility, in a sense, to do the research and figure it out. Obviously, my instructors were there to help me when I had questions. My partner, Vance Lump, came with me and we went to and checked out some older bow pickers, and he found one that was almost the exact same construction style, and we did a lot of research on especially materials because since we were working with plywood, we needed to research what year plywood started getting used for these boats because it was right at a transitional period when you might be moving from single tongue-and-groove boards to plywood, During this period of time, plywood was starting to be used, so we needed to determine, are we going to replace in-kind of plywood, or are we going to try to do something that might be more historically accurate? And it was a really intense research process, and then, obviously, since boats have a lot of curves to them, it was a really difficult woodworking project, because you have to match all the curves on the boat to try to make sure everything fits together And there's a lot of pressure knowing that it will be in a parade for possibly thousands of people to see. So we got the project done, and I'm really glad that I took it on because it's very rewarding to see pictures and videos of it and know that it's something that I worked on.
0: That's awesome. That's such a cool project. We'll return to Josh in a minute for more insight into his experience with the Clatsop Community College Historic Preservation and Restoration Program. But first, I'd like to introduce my fellow board member, Eric Wheeler, from the Lower Columbia Preservation Society.
2: Hello, my name is Eric Wheeler, and yes, I'm a board member of the Lower Columbia Preservation Society, and I'd like to invite you to join us tomorrow evening at 6 o'clock for Topics in Preservation, our monthly group discussion about historic preservation on the North Coast. This month, we'll be talking about interior wall finishes and how they fit into the big picture Of historic preservation. For example, did you know that Play-Doh was originally created in the 1930s as a way to clean wallpaper? Or also, that the most common form of wainscoting was invented in the 18th century to keep out the cold and derived its name from the German word for wallboard? How about this? Two popular late Victorian wall finishes, lincrusta and anaglypta, are still seen in well-preserved late 19th century mansions. If you have questions or insights about interior finishes that you have seen or worked with, do join us tomorrow for our first Topics in Preservation of 2024. The meeting will be held at the Lower Columbia Preservation Office at 389 12th Street in downtown Astoria. That's at the southwest corner of 12th and Duane on the ground level of the Hotel Elliott. The event is free and open to the public and takes place starting at 6 o'clock on every third Wednesday of the month topics in preservation. Hope to see you there.
0: Thank you so much, Eric. And that sounds like a really fun event, and I appreciate you sharing those fun facts. Let's rejoin with our interview with Josh Gifford. So, in your time in the Historic Preservation Program, what you've already described, there has been several factors. You mentioned you learned about woodworking, different aspects in that Do you find any of those techniques to be fascinating to you? Were there any that personally stood out and took your interest, and why would that be?
1: Yeah, I have always been a fan of woodworking. I grew up doing construction with my dad. Woodworking has always been a passion of mine, and uh, we had a class. It was the tool safety class, but also it was like a tool maintenance class, And we learned how to sharpen chisels, sharpen blades, a lot of tool safety, tool maintenance, and I still use that. I just learned a lot of really fundamental skills that I still use, especially in woodworking, because that is what I decided to focus in. But also, you learn plaster work, you learn a little bit of blacksmithing, really any historic trade, you get a taste of it, and then it is sort of up to you to pursue what you have found interesting.
0: That's awesome that you get a variety of different skills that you pick up on. Is there any challenging aspects you may face when restoring a historic structure or a site?
1: Basically, every building that I've touched in the historic preservation program, there's been significant rot. And with that, you have to sort of stabilize it. So whether you're in a position where you can take out rotten pieces and replace them with newer wood. It's That's a Dutchman where you take something out and replace it in like kind. Or uh, sometimes you'll stabilize with epoxy. Really, the biggest thing that we're fighting is rot. Even with buildings that you wouldn't necessarily think will be affected by rain, like a lot of the concrete structures... Um, You deal with stuff like rust jacking, where you have this rebar in concrete that once water gets on it, it will expand and rust, and then that expansion will actually push the concrete up. Other parts of the country, obviously, you have very different factors, but just focused on where we are, that is the main enemy.
0: Yeah, I can definitely see that being a challenge. Now, going back to classes... Was there any specific classes that you had that were your favorite classes that you took?
1: Yeah. Obviously, there are the workshops where I learned a lot of hand skills with different tools, but as far as like sit-down classes, every class that John Gutenberger teaches is a gem. He is without a doubt, one of the best historic resources that we have in this town. He's very passionate and really instills a passion for history in the way that he tells his stories. Um, One of my favorite classes that I took was a hand-drafting class. Basically, before you had AutoCAD, where you could input your measurements and make your lines, you had to have a drafting board and different size pencils and vellum and squares and we actually made floor plans for the uh, Star of the Sea building here in town where we were taking our classes at and we did that all with hand drafting methods that were taught to us and that was probably my favorite sit-down class just because it was a mixture of learning a new skill I was also taking AutoCAD classes at the time so it was taking what I've done online and sort of transferring it onto paper So it was a very satisfying process and very interesting to learn something new like that.
0: And what are your favorite memories from the historic preservation program for you?
1: My favorite memories are just the people that I met in the workshop. You really do meet a lot of interesting people and especially during the weekend workshops. Uh, There's people from out of town, people from Portland that you're friends with that you really get to meet and work with. Um, especially working on the uh, Mason's Lodge here in Astoria. That was one of my favorites. Plaster work can be very tedious and boring, and you keep going over the same areas, trying to get rid of all your lines and make it look perfect, and having the camaraderie of someone who is going through the same struggle as you are and you're friends with, it's really, it's a very nice feeling, especially... When you know you're working on something very important, that you're struggling with your friends to try to get it just right, that's one of my favorite projects that I did.
0: So for anybody that's looking to get into this type of career field, is there any specific advice or words of motivation or inspiration that you would say to somebody who has an interest or even just a passion for
1: it? Yeah, I would say that you don't need to make a full commitment right away. Even for folks that might not be interested as much in the career part of it, but just own a historic house, it is really helpful to go to a workshop because you can audit a class or you can go to a workshop. Even if you're going to one of John's history classes and you don't want to do the homework, you could audit the class. And you still get the benefit of hearing his passion about history and hearing his stories. And that might inspire you that you want to pursue this. So I would say that, especially being a community college, being local, you do have the opportunity to just go to a class, sign up for a class, just one class, a workshop. If you own a historic house and you don't want to pay to get your windows done, sign up for a window workshop. I think that... There's no harm in folks learning more about history and learning more about the place that they live. And even if you decide that it's not for you, you still have the experience and you know that you've tried it.
0: Looking back to your experience, what were your main takeaways about historic preservation and restoration?
1: This is very important to me. I'm glad that you sort of said historic preservation and restoration because a lot of people will think that they're the same thing. Um, Preservation is trying to keep something sort of as it is. Restoration is trying to bring it back to what it was. And both of them are important and used in different contexts. But I think it's so important for people to learn these skills because it is a dying art in a sense. And some folks don't realize that there are reasons that things were built the way that they were. And when you say, take your double hung historic wooden windows and you replace them with sliding vinyl windows, not only does that change the look of your house, it changes the proportions of your home. It also gets rid of a lot of the function as airflow especially before sort of mechanical systems in homes, there are engineered ways that homes are meant to breathe and exist, that when you change some things that you might not even know are important, it really changes the feel of the home and the function of a home. So I, I do think that it helps people to just learn, even if you're not going to use the information maybe. It's nice to know why things are there, how to fix them if especially some folks can't afford to hire historic contractors, which can be expensive. A lot of these small repairs can be done at home with not a whole lot of skill. I am very, very glad that I decided to be in the Historic Preservation Program. It translated a lot into my career that I'm in now. I've had the chance to visit the Grand Teton National Park for two weeks to learn about the National Park's wood window preservation program. I went to Maryland for two weeks to learn about stonework and work with uh, some buildings on the Monocacy National Battlefield. So... I think that, you know, even stuff that might be a little out of the box, there are careers in historic preservation. Even if you don't want to be a contractor, you don't want to be pigeonholed into one thing, there is historic preservation everywhere all over the country, and there are historic buildings everywhere, even out of the country, that need people to work on them. And if you have the smallest interest in history or working on historic buildings, I recommend taking some classes or even just talking with some of the instructors and learning more about the buildings we have here in Astoria.
0: Thanks, Josh. Up next, we are introducing our next guest, Christy Jenkins-Smith, a current student who will be graduating this year, sharing her insight on her experience in the historic preservation program. Christy, can you tell me a little bit about yourself?
3: Sure, my name's Christy. Uh, I've been in the program for a little over two years. I will be done after next term. I've always been pretty obsessed with old buildings and kind of trying to find a way to be a part of them. So I was searching on Google some years back, just trying to find an apprenticeship, which doesn't really seem to exist in this country. So um, I stumbled upon the historic preservation program at Klatsup, but I'm in Portland, and it's two hours away, so I didn't end up signing up for it for about two years. But due to COVID, they started online classes, so I was able to mostly take it online and just do workshops in person. Most of the workshops, you're learning kind of as you're doing. So some of some of it'll have demonstrations or you know uh, instructors showing you stuff, but you get to pretty much get in there and get hands on pretty quickly.
0: Very cool. What are some of the workshops that you have participated in? I've been a part of, I think, at least
3: two of the cemetery workshops. And then I helped John Goodenberger as an intern last year for a workshop. And then I did one of the cemetery workshop for one of my projects. So all of those have kind of been different in regards to what we're actually doing with them. Some of them are we're literally finding headstones that are buried, you know, six inches under the ground and resetting them, getting them out of the earth, cleaning them. There's a lot of research involved, you know, history of the cemetery, history of the area, and then kind of just getting them out of the earth. For my project, actually, um, fixed two headstones that were laying in the ground. One of them had previously been completely buried underground, and uh, we unearthed that, cleaned it. I gave it a new base
0: is there a favorite technique you've learned in your time in the historic preservation program honestly everything (laughs) I
3: don't I don't have a favorite or you know anything specific that stands out I've loved everything that I've learned and you know all the hands-on stuff that I've learned I've taken forward with me which I suppose is the point of the program but um yeah it's all fascinating you get to learn about you know, how people have been doing stuff forever, how to repair things correctly, um, what people have done in the past, you get to, like, really experience it. You get to see, like, little notch marks, you know, from a axe or plane marks. You know, it's it's pretty fascinating. It's physical history that you get to, you know, touch and see.
0: Do you have a favorite class or a class that stood out to you?
3: Absolutely, yes. Um, two in specific, but one... One of the first classes I took was uh, John Goodenberger's Pacific Northwest Historic Architecture class. It was very intense because you learn so much new terminology. It's almost like learning a new language. All of the you know terms for things and old buildings. Just from the first class, I was just captivated by it. It was so fun. And then also the hand drafting class, I enjoyed a lot. It kind of gets you to look at a building in a different way and be patient and really look at all the details and, you know, you have to measure everything so you're really up close and personal. The one that we did uh, when I was there was St. Mary's School. You're up, you know, measuring every <laughs> part of a building. It's a lot, but it's so fun once it all comes together and you could see it on your page. It's very satisfying with that class, you'd be surprised what you are capable of doing. And uh, John Gutenberger was the instructor for that class as well. Lucian um, taught alongside him and just how they kind of were able to tell you, you know, how to do all these things. Like it really helped make sense of it.
0: <laughs> Can you tell me a little bit about what your favorite parts about the program are?
3: I think honestly, all of the workshops, they've been just so fun and so diverse. There's been Like I was saying, like you're out in the mud in the cemetery or you're in a we got to do stuff in the Masonic Lodge, like um, just getting into buildings that just the everyday person can't go up, you know, and walk into the Masonic Lodge, like uh, climbing up into bell towers of churches. Like I've really enjoyed not only being able to get into these buildings and weird spaces, but actually helping them exist. When I jumped into actually getting into historic preservation it almost felt like a selfish endeavor. Like I kind of felt like I just wanted to do it just to for myself, just because it seemed amazing, but I wanted to figure out how it's going to actually help people or help the planet and not just be for myself. So very early on in the program, I was in green building and a quote that has stuck with me uh, from Carl Elefante is the greenest building is the one that's already built. And hearing that it kind of made everything click you know like preservation is green it is sustainable it's necessary you know it reduces trash going into landfills it stops us from further use of finite resources so just learning that like i realized that it's not just a selfish endeavor it's it's you know essential
0: a hundred percent well thank you so much for joining us for this month's show Be sure to tune in for our next show on February 20th at 9 a.m. here on KMUN 91.9 FM. That's the third Tuesday of the month. I'd like to thank our guests, Josh Gifford and Christy Jenkins-Smith. Be sure to tune in next month to hear more of Christy's experience in the Clatsop Community College Preservation and Restoration Program, and we will also introduce Marcus Lucero, a current student in the program. A special thanks to my co-host, Eric Wheeler, the team here at CAMUN, the staff, volunteers, and members of the Lower Columbia Preservation Society. Thank you to Camilla Swerdloff for producing the theme song for The Preservationists, And thank you for listening to The Preservationists. And remember, anyone can be a preservationist. The Preservationist is a production of the Lower Columbia Preservation Society for CAMUN, written and produced by Astronomist Ray and Richard Wynn, Featuring co host Eric Wheeler. I'm Astronomist Ray. Thank you for tuning in.